0: Hopefully you all are handed one of these today. It is our Rite 13 Sunday when we mark for our 13-year-olds or almost 13-year-olds the passage into adolescence. And we do it as we want to do things in the Episcopal Church by saying special prayers and by offering blessings. And so today I'm going to be talking to the Rite 13 folks this morning But know that I'm also talking to you. You are not immune from this message. But it's kind of a strange gospel that we have to read this morning on a day like this when we're doing Rite 13 about temples falling down. And it's kind of a a harsh Old Testament reading that we had today, too, from Daniel about about uh, pestilence and the day of the Lord, kind of scary sounding Jesus and his friends today have been in the temple, which just to let you guys know is, is, is the best place you could possibly be in Jesus' day. It was the, the greatest place in the whole world for a Jew to be. It's the holiest place there was, the most important place. And then later on, he and his friends walk across the way to the Mount of Olives and they're, they're sitting there looking at the temple. And then Jesus tells them that this temple is going to fall someday. Jesus shocks them with the sad news that someday even something as amazing as the temple in Jerusalem will come down. That this holiest of holy places that's built by human beings is not permanent. And of course, they want him to tell them when this is going to happen. They say, Master, tell us when this will happen. Let us in on the secret. Maybe one of them was a building contractor and wanted in on the rebuilding. Jesus lets them know that no thing, no place, no time can ever be the same. No person can ever be the same. And you're good examples of that this morning, I think, for all of us, because Many of us here have watched you grow older. We've watched you grow older physically and mentally. We've, we've seen you become more independent, more sassy. We've seen you become argumentative sometimes to our great peril. Becoming wise and handsome and beautiful. And we're at once thrilled and often annoyed And we're sad and we're fearful and we're joyous all at the same time. And all the adults in here ask themselves the same questions, don't we, as we watch our children get older. Have I done a good job? Does my child know enough to survive out there in the harsh world? And then we get sentimental quite often on days like this, don't we? What happened to our little ones? What happened to our baby? like the bricks of the temple in Jerusalem that did, in fact, fall not long after Jesus' death, childhood crumbles around us and you wake up one day and you're an adolescent. That wonderful phase between being a child and legally being an adult. Then later on, you start high school and then you finish high school. Then... You go on to what's next, college perhaps, and then you start careers and and maybe even families of your own. Things just seem to start rolling along, one thing after another. We all know good and well that getting older and and growing up physically are, in fact, inevitable. They are facts of life. I learned this fact of life, life recently when I threw my back out bending over. Getting older is an inevitable thing that happens to all of us. But being grown up, it's not inevitable. You all know, as well as all of us, that adults can be hugely immature. I mean, witness the antics of, of, of the folks of the blue and the red persuasions in any election cycle. We see immaturity in technicolor in all the attack ads that are broadcast, all the half-truths we hear. Turn on your television on any given hour now, and you can see any reality TV show that, that makes great profit and entertainment out of immaturity. They turned immaturity into an industry. Maturity is not a given. Immaturity follows all of us, in, in some ways, into adulthood. As a professor of mine at Furman, Dr. Bingham Vick, used to say, you're only young once, but you can be immature your whole life. And thank goodness, thanks be to God, immaturity is not always a bad thing. Forty-somethings can like The Simpsons in the occasional episode of South Park. We can skateboard and snowboard and run marathons and wear high-top red Chuck Taylors and listen to punk rock And wear black concert t shirts under our clericals. (laughs) We can watch every Star Wars movie in a single sitting with our 10 year old son. We can become virtuosic at Mario Kart and Guitar Hero and Rock Band and know our way around the world of Harry Potter. And yes, we can even laugh out loud at that paragon of immaturity, St. William Farrell. Yes, small doses of immaturity can be a blast. Small doses of immaturity that we carry through our lives are a good thing. They keep us young and they keep us alive. But as we grow older, we start to develop an unease with time. And I think you guys are starting to feel this because you're starting to push the limits uh, your parents have set for you in your house. Without a doubt, you're starting to push some of those boundaries. You want to do things. and You want to do them right Now. I had this argument over and over and over, and I still have it with my adolescent children. But my oldest one, I had this argument. It seemed to be every Friday night. I want to do X. I'm sorry, you can't. Why? Because you can't. Why can't I? Because you can't. Ad infinitum. Time is a real issue for people your age and for all of us. And, you know, more so than anything, like the disciples today, we want to know what exactly is going to happen. We want to know the future. We want to know uh, what will happen as time passes. But, you know, as well as I do, that time is completely out of our control. But you live with people who do their best to control it for you, don't you? I mean, you are some of the most meticulously scheduled human beings I have ever known. On any given weekend, your parents are playing taxi service to any number of ballet rehearsal rehearsals, karate tournaments, soccer games, concerts, scout meetings, ice hockey games, soccer, lacrosse, basketball and football games, SAT tutorials, SNL meetings, Sunday school classes and choir rehearsals. No wonder there's not enough of this stuff. No wonder we're so obsessed and uneasy with time. No wonder we can never quite get our relationship with this thing called time straight. C.S. Lewis had some good things to say about our relationship with time. He said that, that we live half in eternity and half bound by the temporal realm. That we are, in fact, amphibian because we live at once in both worlds. Part of our being human is being uneasy with time. He says, humans are amphibians, half spirit and half animal. As spirits, they belong to the eternal world, but as animals, they inhabit time. This means that while their spirit can be directed to an eternal object, their bodies, passions, and imaginations are in continual change. For to be in time means to change. Their nearest approach to constancy, therefore, is undulation, the repeated return to a level from which they repeatedly fall back, a series of troughs and peaks. So the more we try to control time, the less we can control it, and the only thing that that is certain is that things are uncertain. And the only thing that we can count on is that things will change. And as we hear today with the disciples, uneasiness, this can make us uncomfortable. This can make us uneasy. But you know, Jesus tells us to take heart today. Right at the end of the gospel, he sneaks in this little bit. And I never quite understood this until recently. He tells the disciples that all the things that happen to them, that will inevitably happen to them, all the wonderful things and all the terrible things, all the parties and all the celebrations, All the the funerals, all the war, all the pestilence, all the pleasure, all the play, all the work, the famines and the wars and the times of peace, all the critical yet problematic details of this life are birth pangs. Now, this image of birth pangs is not one that I have experienced firsthand, thank goodness. I don't know that I could have taken it. Yet how many of you, uh, I'm talking to the men in the room, how many of you have, have taken time into the room with you after going to your lamas' classes? And like I did the night our first child was born, I sat there with my wife looking at my stopwatch going, breathe, breathe. And at one point she sat up and looked at me and grabbed my arm and I thought she was going to tear my arm off and she said, your breathing doesn't match my pain. Now, thankfully, this is not an image that that any of you understand very well at all. And I hope none of you understand it for a while. (laughs) But I'll tell you something, the people standing with you during the Rite 13 liturgy today, they do understand it, especially your mothers. Because one day, 13 or so years ago, you came to life after some very real pangs my mom's favorite line to use with me was, I went to death's door for you, son. <laughs> and not that right, mom? They felt birth pangs for you. And getting you into the world was quite an accomplishment, believe me. Yet it was only the beginning as we are witnessing today. Because now, here you are. But, you know, you do feel birth pangs. You feel lots of them. Every time you run into one of those limits I talked about earlier, you feel one of those birth pangs. Every time you have one of those arguments, you feel a birth pang. Every time someone tells you you can't do something you want to do, you feel a birth pang. You'll feel pangs the first time you fall in love, the first time you subsequently get your heart broken when you experience disappointment, when you experience the deaths of of loved ones. But take heart, Jesus tells us. He promises us today that these things are necessary, that they can even be life-giving, and that they are just the beginning with his help. Because, see, birth pangs have to happen if we want to grow up. And we do want you to grow up and not just older. Grow up and find ways to contribute to the life of God's people instead of just taking it in. Grow up and stop just absorbing and consuming the good news, but find ways to become the good news. Grow up and stop. Just experiencing and hoping and praying for miracles, but find ways to be the miracle. Grow up and take strength in this community that sits all around you in great numbers today. Grow up and take strength in the fact that you can take in the body and blood of Christ and strengthen your body and your spirit. And then take that body and that spirit out into the world and leave nothing but life and love in your wake. All temples, even the temple of childhood, must fall, we are reminded today. But from their rubble, from the pangs comes nothing other than resurrection. Real life in God and Christ as an adult, as a grown-up, who is born again and again and again into the reality of God's love for us. And for this world I'm in